Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, November 6th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, let's start right at the top. Ohio State Rutgers tomorrow night at the Horseshoe. Buckeyes favored by 36 points. How do you think this game's going to go against our old friend Greg Shiano? What's your prediction for a final score, Jay Book? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a blowout here. I have Ohio State winning this game uh, 55-14. I just think that right now, even though Rutgers is vastly improved under Greg Schiano, they're just not ready for Ohio State right now. This, this Buckeye team is on a mission. What I'm looking forward to is Ohio State starting fast and then getting out of there with their main starters healthy and seeing what some of these younger guys can do. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I think this is going to be our first opportunity, I think, to see some extended action from some of the young guys, you know, guys like a G. Scott Jr. that have only played on special teams, you know, guys like that. Maybe we saw Steel Chambers a little bit in the first game, and I was frankly disappointed we didn't see him run the ball against Penn State. Um, But that game ended up being a little closer than maybe we all thought when it was 21 to three at one point. So that is going to be fun. Uh, Hopefully, if things go according to plan, that, uh, Hopefully the entire fourth quarter, it's going to be you know guys we haven't seen play very much. My score is very similar to yours, which we seem to do every week. Mine is 56 to 17, Buckeyes. You have 55-14, Ohio State. I have 56-17, Buckeyes. We both have the Buckeyes covering that spread of 36. Just, you know, who are some guys you're really looking forward to seeing some of those uh, younger guys that we're talking about? Who's maybe uh, one or two guys? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. You can name more than one or two if you want to. But there are some young bucks you're looking forward to seeing tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I, as you mentioned, Steel Chambers, I thought he looked um, really – I thought he performed really well in his first game against Nebraska. I thought he showed a little bit more wiggle um, as far as the running back, so I want to see him get some meaningful carries. And at the backup quarterback position, I want to see what Jack Miller's going to do. Will we see a little bit of C.J. Stroud if this game gets out of hand? So I, I just want to see the, the younger quarterbacks get some meaningful reps because it's, it's very important for those guys to get a little bit of game experience under their belt, especially when they get to save a year of eligibility. And then on, on the defensive side of the ball, I want to see that next crop of linebackers. And, and you have not, you and I have been talking about them for a year or so now, and we always joke that, you know, we call them the younger linebackers because they haven't played much, but they're actually, you know, juniors and, and will be considered upperclassmen, but they haven't played a whole lot of football. So I want to see that next round of guys at that linebacker position to see what they can do. What's good about those guys, I was thinking that they were going to, because they were going to play this year, you know, they weren't, none of them are going to redshirt unless they got hurt. I'm thinking, man, they're really only going to get one year of playing time at Ohio State. But now because, you know, you, anybody can take a redshirt year this year um, and get that extra year. I mean, those guys will be fourth year juniors next year, unless one of them blows up, which is entirely possible. You know, they'll be back as well in 2022 as fifth year seniors. So I really like that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them live, those linebackers. That's a good point. Speaking of linebackers. Justin Hilliard had to miss the game last week at Penn State because in the morning uh, took an antigen test uh, for coronavirus and it came back positive. Um, then he took the other tests that's the more accurate of the two and it came back um, showing that he was actually negative and it was a false positive. Despite the fact it was proven he did not have the virus, Justin Hilliard was forced to miss the game due to the Big Ten's infinite wisdom here. They allowed him to stay on the sidelines, so they obviously knew he wasn't contagious. He's allowed to be in the sidelines, but he couldn't play in the game. 
And Ryan Day said the rationale for that was we finally learned yesterday the rationale for that for the Big Ten is they said not everybody in the Big Ten has the capabilities to get that second more accurate test in such a short period of time. So they wanted the playing field to be equal. And Day mentioned it was just something everybody had to agree to to get the season started. He did say they are revisiting that now. So if the listeners out there are thinking this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, how can you prove that a young man doesn't have the coronavirus? It is a false positive, and he still is not allowed to play in the game. Yeah, I think even the Big Ten realizes that this was stupid, Jonah, and it sounds like they're going to reverse course. Nothing's a sure thing here, but it sounds like that rule is going to get changed, if I had to guess. Yeah, when I, when I heard the news last week, I thought to myself, like, this makes zero sense. Either he has the virus or he doesn't. And if he and if he tested negative with the with the false positive, then he needs to be playing like like it doesn't make sense to have him standing next to his teammates on the sidelines where he could he could have also been contagious. But we all know that it was a false positive. And I, I just it's the story of the Big Ten this year. They rushed, they rushed through everything because they got caught with their pants down, and they wanted to get the season started as quickly as possible. So they put in a bunch of these arbitrary rules that make zero sense, and this is one of them. Um, it, it sounds like they're going to be revisiting several other rules. I know the Wisconsin beat writer said that uh, it looks like the Big Ten is going to revisit not allowing any fans. They're going to start allowing somewhat um, a small portion. So hopefully that's true. I know Barry Alvarez has cried about the 21-day rule as Wisconsin's quarterback room has been completely wiped out. And, and the testing and the science have shown that the myocardi- myocarditis is not as rapid and uh, significant as the Big Ten was making it out to seem. So the 21-day rule is the huge one that needs to be revisited. And uh, and you look at what Urban Meyer said last week when the big noon kickoff, it's a major competitive disadvantage for the Big Ten compared to every other conference in football, including the Pac-12, who's going to be starting up this weekend with that 21-day rule. And, and there's a lot of smoke coming out of Wisconsin, because if they if they miss another game, which is come, which is Michigan next week, they're automatically ineligible for the Big Ten championship unless the rest of the Big Ten conference has reduced games. And there's a lot of people that think that may they may shut the entire program down and just call it today if they're not eligible for the Big Ten championship. And at that point, what will Kevin Kevin Warren and the Big Ten do? And chances are they'll probably screw it up. Yeah, I would bet on them finding a way to screw it up for sure. Uh, one guy who's not screwing anything up is Tommy Togiai, unless you consider him screwing up the opposing offense. Um, this guy is just crushing it in there. He's playing at an all-American level, and I don't mean like honorable mention. I mean like first-team all-American level. Now it's just two games, but he's an absolute wrecking crew in there. Three sacks against Penn State for Tommy Togiai. As a D-tackle who's getting double-teamed a lot, had three sacks. You just don't see that. It's unbelievable how well he's playing, and Haskell Garrett – um, as his running mate in there, and those two guys are close buddies. Um, it's just so good to see. We talked all offseason, you know, and, and I know you and I were both 
high on Tommy Togiai, um, but we were concerned about D-tackle depth. And even though I was very high on Tommy Togiai, J-Book, I didn't think he was going to be this great. I thought he was going to be really good. I, I didn't see him playing at this level where he's just dominating a game and getting three sacks, not just dominating the line of scrimmage, but also rushing the passer. He chased down Sean Clifford. Not that Sean Clifford is like the fastest quarterback in the world, but he's also not slow. Togiai is running sideline to sideline, forcing him out of bounds, uh, you know, forcing a fourth down there. I just could not be more impressed with what I'm seeing out of Tommy Togiai. Yeah, I think that was his coming out party. He really showed that he he is the dominant force that everyone thought he could be, uh, especially coming in as a highly regarded four-star prospect. And he just flat out dominated. And I want to see him put together back-to-back games. But as you mentioned, that type of performance is uh, All-American caliber. And the reason that performance is so big is because it was a major disruption for the Penn State quarterback. Anytime you can get that type of penetration from your interior of the line, it really throws the quarterback off their mark. It, you start to create happy feet. The quarterback starts to get flushed to the to the outside, which allows the Jonathan Coopers or the Zach Harrison to clean it up. And just seeing the tandem of uh, Haskell Garrett with him playing at a high level, it should make a lot of Buckeye fans smile because coming into the season, any I said if you can just get Haskell Garrett and Taron Vincent on the field, that's going to be a cherry on top. Now what do we have? You have Haskell Garrett playing his best football as a Buckeye. He's been dominant the last two games and if you look at his technique it's been excellent he's been creating a lot of pressures he's been blowing things up now that you have big Tom coming along I'm very I'm very excited to see how they continue to to progress but also seeing Taron Vincent even though he didn't make any splash plays just getting your former five-star highly regarded defensive tackle on the field is a cherry on top because He's missed a lot of football with injuries. We didn't know what we were going to get out of him. Um, there were times when, you know, people were saying he was missing from practice and he wasn't available. And then here we are, boom, Penn State, he's showing up, even though it was a personal foul penalty. I'm still happy to see him on the field because that position was one of the biggest question marks coming into the season. And it's starting to look like it's one of the strengths on the defense. No question about it. And, on the flip side on the defense, how concerned are you about corner, you know, with the way the starters are playing with Sean Wade and seven banks, but maybe even more so Jonah, the depth at corner after the season ending uh, injury to Cam Brown, just how concerned are you, are you about the Buckeyes corners? I'm concerned about the depth. Absolutely. Because they were somewhat thin coming into the season. That's why it was critical that Sean Wade came back um, having him in there. I know a lot of people are on him for that second half performance. But what a lot of people, you know, fail to realize is Penn State had 29 yards of passing in the first half. And the bulk of that, I think it was 21 yards, was to the tight end. So if you look, if you look at the way they perform in the first half, they were lights out. I mean, Sean Clifford completed two passes. It can't get any better than that. Yes, when they came back in the second half, they, they left a lot to be desired. I thought Sean Wade, uh, Dotson got the best of him. Um, that was a bad second half to put on tape. He, they gave up the inside extremely easy. Uh, the same with him and Seven Banks. 
But the thing that people also have to keep in mind is Sean Wade is playing on the outside for the first time in his career. He's always been a guy that's been on the inside. It was always Akuda and uh, Arnett who were on the outside and Sean Wade with his length. He was able to lock things down on the inside. So this is his first time playing on the outside. He's playing in a somewhat newer scheme with with Kerry Combs. And if you watch the first two games, they do a lot of passing off in the secondary, meaning they they let guys go and they rely on the linebackers and the safety to pick up a lot of those guys who are running free in the middle. They did a great job um, at times and you'll see some type of breakdowns. And Kerry Combs said they'll work on um, allowing the free releases to the inside. But the, the thing that I'm encouraged about is those guys show what they can do in that first half against Penn State. It's not an effort issue. It's a technique issue. So as soon as they clean that up, I'm not going to be worried. Is If the front seven completely continues to be as dominant, it's going to help those guys on the back end. They don't have a lot of bodies, so you're going to need your Tyreek Johnsons and, and your younger freshmen to step up and play some, some big-time minutes here, especially as we get – uh, into the playoffs because if you look at Alabama and, and Clemson, they're going to roll out three and four wide. So you're going to need some able bodies who's going to be able to handle the big stage covering guys in that slot position. Let's close the show talking about Tyreek Johnson. Came in with the five-star status. He also is in the same recruiting class as Seven Banks, as Cam Brown. They played as true freshmen, whereas Tyreek Johnson redshirted. They played more than he did last year. This year, Seven Banks is a starter. Cam Brown was the top backup, whereas Tyreek Johnson was behind Cam Brown. So there's a reason for all that. He's not right now as good as Seven Banks and Cam Brown. We know that. But the talent is there. What do you expect now that Tyreek Johnson theoretically is going to get his chance at a lot more playing time? How do you expect that he will play? Well, the good news is, is if you look at the schedule, um, there's not a lot of serious threats that, that you can look at and say, hey, this, this team has the capability, capability to really exploit this defense. So he's going to be playing against guys um, that he should be able to perform at a high level against. The talent is there. He hasn't quite put it all together as a Buckeye yet. He was a five-star guy coming out of high school. The, the time is now for him to show a sense of urgency because it's now or never for him. This team needs him. Um, he needs to step up, and I think he he will be able to do it. Is going to be reliant on uh, Kerry Combs putting him in the best position to succeed, and I truly believe they will do that. Uh, but it, it's imperative that he steps up because they're going to need him to, especially as we get into the later part of the season and you start talking about playoffs here because – at the end of the day, you're only good as what your roster is going to allow you to perform on defense. If your defensive backs aren't getting it done, it's going to limit what Kerry Cohn wants to do. If you watch that second, that first half against Penn State, he was doing some funky, creative, exotic type of looks and blitzes and dropping guys off in the coverage and sending other guys on blitzes. It, you can only do that if you have confidence in your secondary, because if not, if those guys are getting picked apart there, it's going to limit what you can actually do creative wise. Uh, so the, the spotlight is definitely on him. It's going to be up to him to perform at a high level. He's given the opportunity to succeed, but it's going to be up to him to, to perform at this high level in the expectations uh, as far as his rankings and, and being able to show that he belongs and he can play at this level. 
Fantastic stuff as usual from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, Bucknutters, and thanks again for tuning in. 